this in the future. So uh, thank you again, Alan, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, one thing I wanted to share was I know you want me to talk about. Yeah, I'll cheers to you with my Lacroix water. I'm trying to trying to trying trying to lose some pounds here. Um, anyway. Uh, Back in 2000, actually, I had just worked at a dot-com right out of college. And nine months in, I was laid off from the entire sales force. Right after that, I had an off-campus meal plan that actually lasted for about a year and a half. That went belly up. So really, out of, out of college, my first two bats and swings were 0 for 2. And then, of all things, I decided to start up a mortgage company with my business partner, Steve Johnston, and he actually started up the company on his kitchen counter with a credit card and for $3,000 got that off the ground. So we actually started me, him and his sister selling mortgages. And what would happen is if people called in for rich, now just imagine we're on a kitchen counter. So when they called in for rich, Steve or his sister would answer and say, thank you for calling Johnson Johnson Financial. How can I help you? Then they transferred me. So we built a small little company, grew to about three people at the beginning, then grew to 12 people working out of a home doing over $1 million in sales. Like it was bootstrapped, it was grassroots, we were making really good money. Um, so that company is actually what fueled the larger success, which was Home Discovery. And I know you didn't really wanna talk a ton about Home Discovery, but I just wanna give some context that, uh, you know, coming right out of one recession, you know, right after, and then by the way, the mortgage company had been going for about 10 months when 9-11 hit. So I've now been through three financial crises before this one, and we could talk about that later too. Hey, Rich, I think that is relevant because, um, you know, even though Home Discovery went on to be really big, right, um, it actually started just like it almost could have happened today because um, people are starting companies are going to reinforced to start small companies uh, yep. in their living rooms with a credit card right now with a few thousand dollars. And, yep. um, and, and just because that one ended up getting big doesn't mean it didn't mean that it had to. And even though you ended up adding all these staff, you could have very well bit, built that virtual and you could have. Yep. Built, I, could, I could argue today you could build that. You could have built that today differently in a more virtual model. Yep. And uh, it's actually a very I think the more I think about it, it's a very relevant story about what people could do today. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was a good run. And, uh, you know, we built it up to the real estate company and, you know, the cliff note version for there, but a few people online I haven't met before. And we got a $5 million investment from the founder of Outback Steakhouse, grew it to 300 people who are also salaried agents across the state of Florida. And, you know, basically peaked at around 15 million. We're getting calls from VCs in 05. And um, literally two years later, had to then lay off all those 300 people. So I, I share that to give everybody some context that I've definitely had some wins, but I've actually had more losses. And I think the losses end up making you stronger, more resilient. And um, I think Alan knows pretty well a very pivotal moment in my life. Probably the most important and impactful two weeks was my real estate company, Home Discovery, for all intents and purposes, has pretty much a win under by August 1st of 07. So just imagine this, a company that was flourishing, winning all these governor's awards, doing lots of amazing things, had to lay out 300 people. When the company was practically insolvent on August 1st of 07, two weeks later, my oldest son, Ethan, who's now 12, was born. So I share that with you to just say, um, for those who are going through tough patches, family, layoffs, what to do with their company. I've been through a little bit of it, so I'm happy to talk about those things or offline as well. So, um, and you wanted me to talk a little bit more about the uh, other startup my wife and I did, right? 
Yeah, but I, I think I'm really, yes. And I think that I love the fact that we, we, we just touched base on home discovery again, because I remembered how big of a success, how big of it. But the, again, the more I think about it, it, it really uh, was actually is very relevant to what someone could do today, just with the computer and a small team virtual. Yeah. So, so you did, you did have that and it, it, it and you did have that, uh, that thing implode because of, as people remember, no six oh seven, we had a huge real estate crash. So, um, yeah. that, that really is what, you know, really did, did you guys in with that because it was a real estate play. So after that, um, you, you kind of, you were searching for your next thing. And I thought, by the way, the thing you did with active Avenue, I thought was still to this day, I think was freaking awesome. And I still, in my mind still could have and should have been a big deal, but, um, it is now with next door. <laughs> we were a little bit before our time. <laughs> yeah, we were, a bit, we were a little bit ahead of our time. <laughs> There's so many of us that we did, we get things ahead of our time. So, um, so then I, I, just for the sake of time, I would like you to, um, to talk about, you know, we know you, I'm, I'm going to even just kind of cheat here to say, we know you built a, a company called airheads and sold it, which was a big trampoline arena, uh, yeah. for, you know, for families, but ultimately that wouldn't be something that someone would probably try to pull off in the next 12 months. Right. With it requires all that capital. And well, all that. well, here, well, it's interesting, you know, so, um, the last three years, as you know, I worked with early stage startups at the Tampa Bay wave. And if you would have asked me three years ago, what an MVP meant, I would have thought we were talking about Tom Brady or LeBron James. So when I look at Airheads Trampoline Arena, it was 15 to 20,000 square feet spaces that we had. But if you were to rebuild that today, you wouldn't build out a 15,000 square feet space, get a lease, fix costs, et cetera. You'd put six or seven trampolines together, bring it to a birthday party, make it remote, test it out at carnivals, fairs, et cetera. So the point is there may be some more nimble ways when we're actually able to go out in the public again. So interestingly enough, that was, you know, about 250,000 our friends and family raised. So certainly not something you just start up overnight, but there are different ways you can build a lean and mean entertainment business if you had to today. Okay, good. And and I'm going to get, it's on the agenda. I want to talk about MVPs and testing and so yeah. forth. I've got that on the agenda later. So, so you, you successfully built and sold that company and that's when you started. Um, um, okay. When you, when you did that, you didn't immediately come to the wave. I remember. So you, you kind of had time, you had a little bit of money, you time and your family and your, your very dedicated close father and husband. I know that about you. Um, and I remember you calling me and, and you're like, uh, Thank you. You're, you're a bit of obviously a bit obsessed with franchising and you looked at a lot of different models. And then ultimately you and Laura settled on this one that you kind of you guys kind of invented yourself. Talk talk about how it came to be my social spa. So, yeah, you're glitching a little bit. But anyway, so my wife jokes that uh, she wanted to write a book. Help dot dot dot. I married an entrepreneur. So after we sold the trampoline park, she kind of said it was her turn to come up with an idea and bring it to the market. Good. Okay. Um, and um, basically at that time, I don't know who has ever heard of paint night on this call, but um, paint night was a model where uh, rather than going to a brick and mortar art studio, they would do these outings at restaurants and bars. So think about it. You could literally get 30 women, 30 couples together in a bar and they charged 30 bucks. The bar, they didn't have to spend money to be there. The bar and restaurant just made money from them actually buying drinks. So think about it. You could literally go into business with no brick and mortar, no fixed costs, variable, you know, overhead with establishments. 
So my wife came up with the idea to do spa products. And I know for what seems like more gentlemen on the phone, you're probably like, what the heck is that about? Um, but literally sugar scrubs, soaks, and bath bombs. And basically, I actually brought a little flyer to show a little old school. So this is a flyer of one of the first ones. 30 women at a local restaurant paying 35 bucks a piece. Okay. Do the math real quick. Uh, the events were averaging thousand dollars per and literally it costs maybe 500 bucks to start did you get all that yes we did yes cool okay awesome so yeah that was the premise of it but literally i mean we spent you know around 500 dollars and um got it off the ground literally set up eventbrites um, which you just pay a small you know, percentage on each transaction. We did some Facebook ads. We did some grassroots marketing. And um, literally, you know, we're, we were doing like $1,000 per event. You know, my wife definitely wanted to be more home with the kids. So, you know, she would do probably a, an event every couple of months. But now what she does is not as many events because we have three boys all, you know, in elementary school. Now she'll actually make um, orders. So she, if people want to buy 25 bath bombs, She'll sell them and make a few hundred extra bucks. And it just, it's a nice little small secondary passive income stream for the household, which never hurts, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys were going pretty, you guys were going pretty big there for a while. Um, you know, but there was a lot of work in those events, but you were at some point, it probably um, became maybe. Did you scale it back a little bit, I would guess, because of the amount of work that went into it? Yeah. You know what? Here's the thing. We could probably have a whole nother call on spouses working together. Um, probably no surprise to you. I wanted to make it big. I really wanted to develop a licensing model and scale it out the way Paint Night did. So here you have me saying, hey, let's go, go, go. And my wife really just liked doing the event. So it, it created a little, you know, a little dynamic. The challenge was the, the amount of setup for each event. So it was decently, you know, for the day of, you literally had to bring 30 bowls, 30 sets of products. So, but there's a way that you could scale that business now, more online, more kits, more teaching and she's actually going to start doing some online classes and and selling nice, some pre nice. done so yeah so you know she's been at it now for three plus years and like any business you have to learn and adapt and pivot and think about it if this was a national licensed business right now i mean it would be practically done if you think about it i mean a lot of businesses yeah. will yeah. evolve and 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 find another way but literally physically doing these in restaurants just wouldn't be even an option right now so got it so this so, is good. I think we're I think we're doing this. That was great, Rich. The fact that you and, and Laura, you guys were doing this. This is again before you came to the wave and started doing all the great work you did at the wave. It's incredible. Thank you. Um, I would say that um, that it, it takes a lot. People, I think people are uh, very few people are, are able to really make something like that happen and get off the ground, especially, you know, between, between spouses. So I want to transition a little bit here. I think this is from a good timing perspective to talk about some, before we turn it over to questions from the group and, and get interaction from the group, frankly, like I said, I can turn over the mic and anybody can join this conversation here shortly. Um, let's just go right to um, some advice. So what would you, and I've got some answers to this myself. Uh, what would you tell people right now? I mean, this is a crazy, crazy, interesting moment in time right now, right? 
what would you tell people right now that have uh, lost their job or uh, fear losing it very soon? Um, what, what would be, what are you telling them and what would you tell someone right now with all the experience you've had before, you know, in your companies, the wave, uh, um, you know, um, my spot, the, all of the things you've said, what would, yeah. what would be the message? Well, what's interesting is I'm talking with a lot of early stage technology companies and later stage companies that are, are pretty large and almost every single one of them is planning for the next few months to be even extra dire, extra challenging revenue dropping off. So if the companies that people are working for today haven't had the tough conversations or the layoffs or the furloughs or the percentage decreases, they are having them and they are wondering when the right time is. So on an individual level, and I've had to do this many times, I would become as lean as possible at your household. Um, think about a lot of the day-to-day -day things. Um, it could be lawns, it could be pools, it could be, you know, cable. I would highly recommend going lean as possible, anything that's not necessary. So part of this, and everybody's got unique situations. Some people have more reserves than others. Fortunately, a lot of the banks are going to work with people on their mortgages. But, you know, candidly, 10 years ago, I wasn't lean um, in my household and I had a lot of things I had to work down and work through. At this stage in my life, I rebuilt my life in a much more leaner way. So I'm fortunate to have prior downfalls. But I definitely think now is a time, whether in your business or your personal household, I think you got to there, there are opportunities in this marketplace. But I think being too i've never heard somebody say that they wish they would have or they that they um basically they always regret not making decisions sooner so i'm still talking to people and companies today that are very optimistic and i'm not trying to paint a doom and gloom here but i think people have to be realistic and i think they have to act as if so if you have a job right now and your employer told you we're not you know going to impact your job I sincerely think they mean that because they're looking at this from an optimistic standpoint, but I would start acting as if you won't have one in a couple months. Does that uh, yeah. make sense? Uh, Rich, that's the best, that is the best advice anybody could put out right now. Uh, you, I, I could not agree more. We, we plan for the worst, hope for the best. It's a cliche, but it's true right now. And I'm with you. Pretend, just, just consider yourself not having a job. If you are holding on to one, just start acting as if it's not it's not going to be there next week or the week after. Again, feels doom and gloom and negative, right? And I sometimes people I get a little irritated when people say that you know don't say to me, but they sometimes do or generally like, well, let's, we just need to be really positive and let's don't hear negativity. I say, screw that, screw yeah. that. If you've been if you like you, me, Rich, as entrepreneurs, you've scraped the bottom hard, and I've scraped the bottom hard in my life as well. Any entrepreneur worth their salt has. And I've also been, been laid off. It was like 15 years ago during the two, during the, that first bubble that we had in oh, um, 2000. And, um, you know, I don't have time for my story, but I've, I've, I've had plenty of really tough financial situations due to my entrepreneurial efforts, right? Which yep. have bitten me in the ass half as many times as they've done well. <laughs> So, and so people like us, we don't mince words with this. Um, 
get your get the uh, your Hopa Hopa glasses off and your happy happy glasses off and go plan for the worst. And uh, and it doesn't mean you have it doesn't mean you have to get negative or anything like that. Just to your point, um, start imagining what life would be like in in the next two to three months if you didn't have that um, paycheck. What would you do today? I think it's something you kind of said earlier. What would you do today? Um, to to uh, to make that uh, better, right? And there's there's so many things you could do today. Not only can you work with, uh, not only can you make those cuts that while it, while you can do them uh, before you, you before it's too late or before you have to, but you can also work with you know you know different creditors, whether it be mortgage, whatever you have in your life. Look at everything right now and start laying the groundwork for the fact. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen to you then um, you you just get to continue to uh, pull through that and benefit. But uh, if, if it does, then you're ready. Yep. Right. Um, I, I love that message. So next next question here. Uh, and, and by the way, um, the other thing I would say, to, OK, but I want to but I kind of what I wanted to say with that question was, OK, let's let's go one level over. OK, that's out. That negative stuff is aside for a second. Sure. What um, what would we say to them about making money? What would we say to someone about ways to make money? Um, you know, income. So let's start there because I think that's actually more important than uh, cost cutting. Well, it's interesting. There's an old uh, Warren Buffett quote: um, "When people are greedy, be fearful, and when people are fearful, be greedy." And and one one thing that I've been looking at, just for from a secondary, you know, income perspective, is um, there's a lot of people right now that have cash flow positive, simple online e-commerce businesses, and they need cash. Their their spouse just got laid off. They're they're hurting. Um, I've seen some incredible opportunities to buy businesses right now. Um, people are in tough positions, and I'm not trying to paint a picture that we should be jumping on other people's hurting times. But the reality is, somebody it might be worth them to offer fifty percent less for their business simply because they need the cash today. I mean, people take out second mortgages because they need the cash today. So, and, and I'm talking, I mean, there was one Alan that I found the other day. It was a pretty positive, you know, cash flow in about six grand a month. Um, they were looking to sell it for a pretty high number. They've come down tremendously to the point they would allow $6,000 as a down payment, um, you know, for, to get started. I mean, literally 6,000 in, and it's a business that's not being impacted by this. So you can make your money back in month one. That's not normal. So I think looking at the opportunities in any industry and um, seeing like there's a, a deal announced from early stage investments for an online um, event company, you know, so I think looking at where the market's going and how behaviors are changing. Um, I think those are the things we need to be thinking through right now. So again, when people are greedy, be fearful. When people are fearful, be greedy. And that can, by the way, yeah. find real estate, that's stocks, that's, you can apply that to a lot of things. But um, again, everybody on the call is probably in different situations. Um, so I think taking some of the individual questions will be helpful too. But um, I think part of it is, you know, you have to be, you have to be thinking differently right now. Absolutely. Right. I just put a, just put a question out um, to the group. If anybody wants to join in on this conversation, I'm taking, I'm taking questions over chat. Um, but also, um, if any, you know, just you can write it into to the chat and I'll read it out loud and we'll take that question and deal with it. Or even a suggestion, whether it be a question or a suggestion or just we're, we're all here 
we're trying to actually help each other. Um, Rich and myself are by no means experts here. Um, we've been through a lot. We're, we're not young birds anymore. We've, uh, we've had a lot of- All for yourself, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a lot of entrepreneurial up and downs and some, some really tough downs and some really big ups, honestly, between the two of yeah. us, right? So it's, um, we just feel like we've got a lot to share. We've got some energy and some creativity mindedness here, but we really wanna hear from folks out there. We wanna share information. If somebody has like, hey, a, a better idea or hey, here's something you should tell because ultimately we want people on this call to be informed, um, you know, informed, inspired, and, you know, just in, in, to share, right? So I would just encourage anybody to, um, Throw me your uh, your comments and questions into the chat, and if you want to be thrown on microphone, just just say that as well. Rich, my next question, um, really for and, and by the way, I guess I should answer that question too. Um, you know what I would what I'm telling people is to, and we're going to get into this, uh, of course, is to um, be thinking about a side business, uh, not yeah. just thinking, get, get started on a, on a side business. I'm using the word side business, which is all encompassing to home business, solopreneur, freelance, anything. If you're in a job today, you know, you talked about cutting costs, Rich, and you're absolutely right. But the other side of that ledger is to start thinking and setting the groundwork and laying the groundwork and putting the research and the work into um, your alternative income opportunities for you and your family, yeah. even if it starts small, even if it's small, it could be as small as selling stuff on Etsy or, or uh, we're going to get into some examples, but, or it could be bigger than that. If you're, if you have a, if you're a professional with, um, with a, with a kind of a service level talent, you, you potentially, you could start freelancing on the side. You could start doing little things, bigger things. We're going to get, we actually are going to get into that on this, on this, uh, on this call. Um, but that's my advice to people is to as much as you're, you're cutting costs and getting lean, you should also be laying your groundwork for income generation, whether whether you're going to start a company, which is, you know, a, a bigger, you know, it could be a company of you, you know, want you, your wife or, or just you, you know, company is just a is just a uh, um, it's just a shell to hold whatever you're going to do. Or it can just be make stuff and sell and sell stuff or make yourself available yeah. to, to do things for money for pay. Um, you know, things you can physically do, things you can do uh, with your computer keyboard, whether it be you're a marketing person or you're a writer, or you're a photographer, or maybe you, maybe you just want to get out and help do uh, d deliveries or, you know, whatever it is, get used, get used to the idea of a side hustle and a side business, start experimenting with that, start thinking, if, if you're not going to jump in, at least start researching it, thinking about it, bouncing ideas off, talking to talking to your friends and family, get, yeah. get your head around this idea of a side business, home business or solopreneur and start experimenting with it on your off hours if you're still in your job so that so that when if and when that day comes, um, you, you can be you're closer to be able to turn up the volume on that and make more yeah. of it. Right. You want to add Definitely. something? You want to add something, Rich? No, I think that's very important. It's interesting. Um, I, I uh, a pretty close friend that goes to our boys' school. They were making sixty thousand dollars a year by going to the dollar store, right? The dollar store, buying things for a dollar or buying things on clearance and turning them around and selling them on Amazon and all these other sites. Think about yes. that. Yes. You, you know, like just just flipping, just simple. And everybody, when everybody hears the word flipping, all these you know, fan, fun real estate shows these days, they think about flipping real estate, but there's so many things that could be flipped. Um, and I realize again, in this day and age, the 
current you know environment is unique to go to the dollar store right now obviously you want to be very careful in doing that but the method the moral of the story is there's a lot of things that can be bought online and one thing i think i shared with you earlier was um for those who haven't heard there's a site called jungle scout and um it's a subscription i think it costs maybe 30 40 dollars a month but you can actually it's a program where it can give you an extension on amazon and you could actually find out what other Amazon retailers are selling and how much they're selling and what they do, Alan. They have an algorithm that comes up with what's called an opportunity score. So you could actually yep. see items that you can make some margins on that are not overly competitive. And literally, you can help to build a business simply by using your algorithms and start to, I mean, you, you and I right now can launch an online business by this weekend if we wanted to. Doesn't mean that's we have a, to make what's that? Jungle Scout.com. Jungle Scout.com. Okay, you know what I'm gonna do? And I know people are gonna ask for this. Um, we're gonna let me check. I just checked my lighting, by the way, guys. Hold on a second. I want to see. Um, hold on. You said a nice uh, romantic mood there, Alan. What okay, you I need it. I need it. I think I need it. I think I need it back on halfway. I'm doing some lighting. <laughs> Not too high. All right, like maybe right there. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Thank you for that, Rich, because I'm going to put a we're going to put a little list of resources together to come up on this call and I'll share that. Out to, I'll make it available. Um, but I never I had never heard um, of Jungle Scout. So it's incredible. Yeah, my wife and I actually use it. Yeah, we actually use it to check out opportunities um, to launch an Amazon based e-commerce company. Right. So I'm yeah. okay. And by the way, I have a friend to also not a friend is a friend of a friend. I met him at a, at, a, at a little party and I'm still obsessed with this guy. In fact, I wanted to come speak in my class. I don't know. It, it's, uh, he, he was doing the same thing. He was buying up like, uh, women's hair care products, um, in like, uh, uh, like wholesale, um, um, surplus places. He would drive around the state, right. Finding these things. And then he put, he sells them, uh, on eBay, I think it is, or I think it's eBay for like a really big markup, but he has to hustle. By the way, he's like, Alan, I make a lot of money. I do great, great but you know, you don't understand all of my weekends and even some of my nights, almost all my nights yeah. weekends are taken. I have to yeah. drive around and, yeah. and find these overstock situations for these women hair care products. It just, he happened yeah. to find a product that ends up in a lot of surplus situations and he just rejigged it, right? So, I don't love that one that, you know, you got to do what resonates with you. That would not resonate with me, but it resonates with certain people. That's like, you, you know it when you see it, you know, what's in your bones. There's so many options out there, things that suit you, that resonate with you, things that I know I can do that. And that makes me excited and motivated. Right. And that one worked for him. And like your friend who, who did what he did at dollar store, she, um, you know, everybody, you, you, and that's back to the point earlier, you, you need to start experimenting, exploring and probing and experimenting and trying to find a thing that not only that a works, which is obviously important, but something that clicks with you personally. Yeah. Right. Does that makes sense. It's got to click with you personally and it's got to work, which obviously my, my, my social spot clicked a little bit more with my wife, not as much me, but yeah. Got you know, that's why she still does right. it today and I don't, you know. Um, and then I'm going to say, I want to ask another question. Um, so let me ask you this, Rich. Um, what, so, so what do you think, yeah. do you think the new, all right, how, how serious do you think this impact is by way of, because I, I think you know where my, my, my opinion is on this, I'm kind of giving it away, is that the advice we're giving right now I feel like 
um, need, is probably semi-permanent in terms of our world and our economy. I'm calling it like the new world order. It's an old, it's an old phrase, but it feels right to me now, right? Um, that this is not like a quick fix in between kind of thing. I feel like this very well could be your thing forever uh, in a big way. Are you feeling that also, this kind of side business uh, thing? Oh, oh, the 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 important when you said the forever thing, do you mean the coronavirus and the impact that's having no, no, on no, the world? No. Like, or, or oh, okay, yeah, got it. I mean, I mean, the economy will the, is the, the I just don't feel like the economy is going to come right back. I don't think like the economy is going to come back to what it was. I'm not saying the comedy will be depressed. I just feel like it's 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 like forever changed. Uh, it, it, you know, I feel like when, when we do come back, when the economy does come back and be strong, maybe it's a few months or whatever, maybe longer, that we're a lot of us are going to be doing something very different. And it's going to and it's it, and it's going to be along the lines of what we're talking about right now. That's how I feel. You, you know, it's I um, I generally think that people do have relatively shorter term memories. I think this is devastating right now. It's changing people's lives. It's changed. It's, I mean, we've now lost more people than 9-11. Um, so there's no question this is a this. Everybody's going to say, where were you when this happened and talk? So I think this will impact human beings forever. I don't disagree with that. I think what's going to happen, though, when the economy rebounds, a lot of things will go back to the way they were. What I do think might happen, a lot of companies who got a lot of their business from trade shows, conventions. I think there's gonna be an extra sensitivity. I actually think a lot of people are gonna get smarter and more nimble and leaner with how they run their companies. But I do think that generally people are gonna go back to their normal day. And I actually, I, I really am optimistic that the country is gonna be a lot more prepared for the next one. That, you know, a lot, I was on a phone call with an entrepreneur earlier. He's always being challenged by investors. How will your company face a downturn? And he's he said, oh, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. But he's never had to face one. And now he's facing it. So I, I have a sense that um, that I, I, I truly think or maybe I'm an optimist too much, but um, I do think we will come out of this. It's going to take, uh, I think, a good year to fully come out of it. Um, but I do think we will. Yeah, and I do, too. And, and I want to make sure that, um, you know, my my statement and question came across. I, like I said, when we do and we will, of course, and I agree. I just feel like we're going to and we don't have to dwell on this too much, but I feel like we're going to be forever different as an economy. I feel like there's just going to be a dramatically larger number of people that have had to that have had to figure out how to generate income for their families the way that we're talking. Yeah, but it may never true. and that may never get may never be in a never go back to a job again, because why? Here's yeah. the good news. The why the, the why that I'm hoping for is that the that a good number of these people find freedom and wealth uh, and great income and freedom in these new these new uh, solo opportunities, yeah. which I, yeah. that makes me, that warms my heart, makes me really like happy for yeah. our future, honestly, because I want yeah. that for more, I want that for more people, honestly, yeah. than as opposed to so many people that are grinding away in jobs that they hate. And I would love for this to be, I would love for like a big pie of the economy to open up for, for people to be, to find more happiness, fulfillment through self-employment and, and solopreneuring and, 
and home-based businesses and never have to go back to a job. I would love yeah. that. That's just, that's where I was going. Well, it's interesting. I think our, um, you know, our, our up and coming generation, if you will, the millennials, I think they've figured a lot of that out. I mean, I, I think I read the stats somewhere like over 50% of them have side hustles and are have diversified revenue streams. And I think we can learn a lot from that because, you know, going back to my real estate story briefly, all of my income was in real estate. My investments were in real estate. My company was in real estate. And when the real estate bubble burst, it all kind of cracked after that. So no, I do think the learnings um, from this will, and it's interesting being an entrepreneur and I'm sure you get these questions too. A lot of people who have more safer conservative corporate America jobs. And if that's what makes them happy, that's great. No knock on them, but they're like, Rich, you know, how do you feel about the instability of being an entrepreneur? And I'm like, well, the person asked me has had three layoffs themselves. I'm like, I don't know how stable it is in corporate America. Anyway, you know what I mean? So part of it yeah. is we've yeah. only got one, yeah. we've only got one shot at this life. Right. And I think a lot of us keep an eye on the ball and what makes us happy. And as you and I know in the tech, you know, sector that we work in, at least in the region, a lot of people get caught up with building the next unicorn, you know, a billion dollar company. Yeah. I think there's yeah. like 300 plus in the world and don't get me wrong, who doesn't want to build a, a unicorn, but the failure rate for tech startups. So to me, some of these concepts we're talking about, Alan, and a lot of the resources you're going to share after this call, you know, having a lifestyle business, a lot of people turn a, a down eye to it. But if you're able to provide for your family and have flexibility and freedom as well, to me, and I think that's the real inspiration. I, I got to give you a lot of credit, my friend. I didn't have a chance to say this earlier, but for you to write your book quit to start not knowing what was going to happen in this world you honestly could have just said you know what i got a book off the ground i'm an author now and i'll come back to that messaging but i think you said you know what i'm going to lean in i'm going to double down and yes right. is today the right time to quit if you have income coming in maybe not literally today you know march 31st but it's the mentality so i think what you're doing is more of a movement and starting to think ahead and plan ahead. And, you know, so, um, and I think part of it, and sometimes, you know, we talk about entrepreneurs have to go all in. And I actually think that can sometimes be an irresponsible message. And what I mean by that is for somebody who's got income today and to literally quit, not saying you're proposing this, but to quit tomorrow and not to your point, having tested it, do, you know, do an online sale, figure out a minimal viable product first, Build it nights and weekends. It may be some, but, but build it along. Get a little proof of concept, a little confidence that you have something. It shoot, it could be going to the dollar store, like I said, and reselling product, and then gradually make that that move. I think sometimes people get caught up and you got to go all in. And yes, that can be the case. But, um, you know, there's some very successful companies in Tampa that um, have had meaningful exits. And some of their employees along the way were building the platform for their next company, launched their next company and already had customers. But they're building it methodically and gradually along the way. So I think I think part of this, Alan, is, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And what I would really challenge each of us, starting with you, starting with me and friends like Skip and Steve and Eric and others on the phone is on March 31st of 2021. So one year from now today, what do we wish we would have started today? You know, when I say started, not necessarily a company, but brainstorming, planning, you know, so we think, you know, day to day, oftentimes one year from now, what do we wish we would have been thinking about today? That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 
Eric just said uh, good advice. Um, you know, I, we have one other comment here. I want to want to point out. So one of our one of our viewers, Steve uh, Steve McCormick, says, um, "Any thoughts about analysis paralysis?" I thought that was that's a good brave question, right? And he's right. So we're sitting here talking about, um, you know, you know, when I first read that, I was thinking it's overwhelming um, right now for a lot of people to actually be brave enough to investigate entrepreneurial endeavors. And especially if you don't have an entrepreneurial bone in your body, it's, it's a tough endeavor. So there's that component of analysis paralysis where you, you just really, or you're just afraid and you're not making any, you're not doing any research, you're not doing any testing, probing in a very meaningful, purposeful way. But then there's the other kind of analysis paralysis that says, Hey, you're, um, you're, you're over-researching, you're over-analyzing, yeah. and you're spending all your time and not pulling the trigger. My first take on that is if you're in a job, then I think an, an, uh, as much analysis as possible, testing, probing analysis, research as possible, no need to pull the trigger too soon because one of the things that I know, Rich, is that, you know, I, there's, you know, sometimes we, we get led by emotions, right? We, we pull the yeah. trigger on the thing that gets us right. Whereas we, when it comes to starting a business, you only get to pick one thing at a given time to put your attention in. And you need to actually have a very clinical, you need to have a very uh, research data founded reason for doing what you're doing. It's not always the emotional. And sometimes you have to wait for the next trip. Sometimes you have to kind of let the emotion of something die and, and, and collect yourself. You know, how many times as an entrepreneur, you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Something you were yeah. excited about two weeks ago, all of a sudden you sleep on it a little bit more and you talk yeah. to a few more people. <laughs> You talk to a few more people, you read a few more, you're like, eh, you know, maybe it's like, oh my God, if I had rushed off on that, right, I would have, uh, I would have done, it would have been stupid, right? So I like analysis paralysis. I don't like the word paralysis, but I like a lot of analysis if you're in your job. Yeah. If you're, if you're on the, if you're, if you've been already, if you're already let, if you're already out of a job and you're on the clock, um, boy, you got to speed it up and you can't afford paralysis. You, you definitely have to go, you definitely got to get your fast short list going do as fast research you can and make some calls and make some moves your what do you think yeah you know the, um that's a phenomenal question that he asked i think um you know what i've learned this is just for myself and maybe others on the line can resonate my biggest obstacle in entrepreneurship that has ever been and probably ever will be is what's between the ears the, the, your mindset and how you think, I think, is critical. So, you know, ultimately, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to realize you're going to have some losses. It's just the reality. And if somebody goes 100 percent, never has a loss, a quote unquote failure, then then they're incredible. But I think as long as you know who you are, as long as you know your your faith, your family, your friends, and, and be, you have to be comfortable in your own skin, because in today's day and age of online social media everybody's always evaluating you you know so part of it is you could do some analysis but eventually you just got to go leap and test and and go do and not yeah. you know not yeah. until you i mean it's funny when we started the trampoline parks alan we did a lot of research and there was maybe three open across the country we felt pretty good about it but bottom line we didn't know till august 13th of 2010 the first day we opened that we had something you know, and um, so ultimately analysis is good. But when it gets to the point of paralysis, then, you know, you, you just got to you got to really you got to have a good support group. And I think, you know, things like you're doing, Alan, there's peer groups out there. There's online forums for Amazon businesses, any type of business out there. So I think you need a really strong group of people that will help you think through it and be great mentors and advisors, too. Yeah, and that's what right. 
very, you know, maybe it was around 10 years ago when I was starting different companies. Maybe I was just a little bit naive to it. But I think in this much more connected world we live in, whether it's in-person forums or online ones like this, I think so if I was anybody on the call or myself starting up a new business today, there's no reason you should just do it on an island without going online, Googling resources, talking to people who have done it before. I mean, the opportunity to learn from others' mistakes is greater than ever before. Wouldn't you agree, Alan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it, there's, it's, it's, it's the greatest time. Honestly, it's the greatest time in the history of, war, in the history of the world for entrepreneurship. No doubt about yeah. it. Just because the barrier to entry is so low, the cost to start, the costs are so low, the connectivity. Oh my God. Like the connectivity is inc incredible with social media specifically. Yeah. And, and now of course, video conferencing that goes with that, but that you can, there's everybody you can reach. And one of the things I plan to share tonight that I'm gonna just throw out there right now that people, a lot of people don't realize when it comes to testing and, and Rich, you and I know this, we, we, it's so funny, I, you know, in our world of startups, we, like you said, minimum viable products and testing and uh, validate, we call it validation, customer validation. These things become normal and encyclopedic knowledge for us. But the people yeah. that are in jobs who've never done entrepreneurship, they don't truly understand this. They, in their minds, entrepreneurship is getting the big idea and, the, and then going all in, like you said, and and, um, and and coming up with the big thing, but but it's but really a true, really well healed entrepreneurship is about um, is about you know testing and, and about adjusting. It's like uh, and like anything yeah. else that way. And one of the things that's interesting today I wanted to share is that because I was trying to brainstorm tonight, like how do you build an audience and how do you find out if something's going to work? I don't know if many people know that like Facebook ads and Instagram ads, and this is going to sound hilarious, right? But Facebook ads and Instagram ads, which they're inter they're intertwined, by the way, the same platform, <clears throat> is is the is is relatively ridiculously cheap. And I guess you could say Google AdWords as well. <clears throat> you could throw Google AdWords in there as well. <clears throat> and the fact that you can test you can test keywords and messages and see what people click and respond to um, is it's just incredible. Um, yep. and so, so the ability to do that, uh, to know before you go, um, <clears throat> is, uh, is, is like, um, is, is easier to do nowadays than it was before, because before we had websites and, and, uh, we didn't have a way to, to get traffic and eyeballs, but now, like was said with, with Facebook and Instagram, you can do stratified advertising. You can see who's clicking on your ad for $10, you can spend $10 and get like five. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even exaggerating for $10. You can get like 5,000 people to view your ad on Instagram or Facebook for $10. And, and yeah. so either they're click, either they like yeah. it or they're clicking or whatever. Are you freaking kidding me? Right? So, and I'm doing that right now. I'm doing that a lot with my, yeah. with my book and some other things that I'm, I'm doing. And, and, and it's um, cool. And in fact, I heard Kevin Harrington talk about it in his last podcast. He's a local uh, person here and he did a podcast with Rebecca at UP, and he mentioned that, you know, he used to have to spend 50 to $100,000 to test a product on the on TV. It was an infomercial and he invented the infomercial, right? Kind of he gets credit for that. He used to spend 50 to $100,000 to test something, right? That's literally legitimately what they had to spend. Yeah. Um, now, 50 to $100, $500 at the most, right? dramatic so i want to throw that out there yeah think about the cost to build a website 10 years ago you you might have to drop 50 yeah. grand of the website right 10 years ago yeah, and now i mean you know 10 bucks for um, yeah, a squarespace if you even need it if you even need correct it, right? 
right? Because yeah. you set up a Facebook page or, or something else or so many free destination places. Out there. Correct. So, yeah. Like you said, yep. this is an unprecedented time. I want to check the comments while we're at the top yep. of the hour here. Um, give me one second and see if we've got any other questions flowing in. Um, anybody wants want to throw any questions in or want me to throw them on, um, on microphone? Who's brave enough to get on mic? I'd love to hear from somebody. Eric, are you, are you Eric, Paul, are you feeling lucky tonight? I'm going to unlock your microphone, Eric, because we know you and we want to, we want to hear from you. Eric, <laughs> Eric Paul. Eric's an, Eric's a true entrepreneur, dad of yeah, seven. There's a little <laughs> lag, Eric, but hopefully there you are. Go ahead. I think I heard you. Hey, Eric, your mic is live. Can you hear me now? Yeah, there you are. Yeah. Hey, sorry. I was actually on a, on a conference call with a, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thanks for good for you, my friend. Good for hey, you. I'm just really glad that you had Rich Farouk on, Alan. I, uh, I've, I have been telling so many people I've been so privileged to be like the last wave cohort that got to experience the, the Haruska power. So, um, it was such a pleasure being in the oh. wave. It did so much for our, our company and, and, and personally it's stellar. <laughs> thanks my friend. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about what we're doing and how we've kind of pivoted in um, in our current business model. So, as you know, Axiom, uh, we've been commercializing this, this game changer new medical device, 3D printed casts. And uh, for about the past month and a half, you know, it was looking pretty dismal. All of our clinics that we had lined up to meet with, um, you know, they it seemed like they had their initial COVID-19 freak out where they had to they had to figure out their process and they were and they were just they were just going nuts but at this point um one thing we've done with axiom is is reach out to all of these companies and really educate them on the product and tell them look you know right now you're having patients come in and you're putting this big hard virus sponge on their arm um it's not very hygienic you know we basically we, we're basically selling the sizzle at this point right we're telling them look you know we have this this waterproof, breathable, washable cast. Yep. And it comes straight out of a UV curing oven, which kills all viruses and goes right on the patient. And so we've generated a lot of interest from companies who've been kind of on the fence because now they're seeing an opportunity to pivot in their own business and um, you know onboard a product that's that's going right. to be there for the long term, whether we have wave one, wave two, wave six or seven of this thing. Um, so Eric, let me jump in, Eric. So you, you, you've been, I had a chance to get to know you a little bit. You've, you've got quite an entrepreneurial background, my friend. That's incredible. And so I'd love to hear you comment on, you know, people that are, and you've been through, and you're, you're not one of the young pups either. So you've been through a, a few things. You've been through a couple, at least one recession or more. Uh, yeah. can, you com <laughs> can you comment a little bit on this, on this subject tonight of, you know, how to get through tough times if you've lost your job or you're getting ready to lose your job or you're trying to create a, a side business. You've done all that. I remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, back in, in 2008, it was pretty rough. I was actually a car salesman in Alaska. And, uh, <laughs> Whoa. But I was, I was killing it, buddy. I want I a trip for some of the most customers that a year. A car salesman in Alaska, that couldn't have, I couldn't have written that that any script any better that was 
So that's awesome, like you guys. Like you guys, I've uh, I've had my <laughs> and I've I've had plenty of missed opportunities that I've learned from, and uh, you were right. Um, I love that quote. You know, when there's when when people are greedy, be fearful. When they're fearful, be greedy. Back in 08, you know, everything crashed. I remember, you know, I was working at a dealership and they were talking about how Ford stock was, you know, less than a dollar. And, you know, you could pretty much throw your money at the board and hit anything and make a bunch of money on it. So I didn't have a lot of that money at the time. Um, older gentleman named Mike, uh, I think he just sold cars because he liked it. He was super rich. But he's like, Eric, whatever you can do, take money out on your house, like borrow from credit cards, buy some stinking stock. And, you know, I bought like 1500 bucks worth of this and that and sold it like a month later. I didn't make it. But I guess along those lines, what I would say is right now, wow. if you've lost your job, if you're struggling and you have a skill set anywhere or you have an idea that you've been thinking about for a while that you think you can capitalize on, now's the time to act. Now's the time to execute, you know, dig deep and figure something out. Um, there's literally opportunity everywhere that you yep. So there are there are government grants for things like rebuilding coral reefs. I talked to a lady at Synapse and was like, hey, you know, why don't we come up with a new material and using your your high speed 3D printers and then use graphene and 3D print coral reef parts so we can generate an electric current and grow coral reefs faster. I have no idea how to do that, but hey, there's a there's an opportunity. Um, right. Real quick right now, what I've done in the past two weeks is, you know, we've got a wow. bunch of friends. Wow. And uh I've had, we've had friends that are nurses messaging my wife on Facebook and coming by my office to pick up N95 masks out of my mailbox because they don't have any at work. So I reached out to a bunch of people in my network and I decided to source and sell PPE to help fill the critical supply shortages and gaps in the supply chain. So over the past week, I started a new LLC, Exium Health Services. Um, our website will be built tonight. Um, I've got three suppliers in China, one in Mexico, and uh, one in France for everything from hand sanitizers to NIOSH-approved wow. NIOSH N95 masks, gowns. So, and there's and there's big profit in that stuff, guys. So yeah, I lo I love what you guys said. I've you know I've kind of been listening in the whole time, but yeah, absolutely. Um, execute on whatever idea that you have right now, find a way to make money and think about your own needs and how you can fill those needs and just think that there's millions of other people who have those exact same needs that you can help fill. Right, right. Thank you, Eric. I, I appreciate that. And I think that's exactly a good segue into something that I wanted to say, which is, um, look, you know, that right now, it kind of sounds obvious, but if you were to start something today, um, you have to literally look around and say, what do people really need and want right now, right now in this economy at this moment, right? But something that you and your family might need or want or your friends might need or want, or you can you can do it more of an analytical way of research. But fundamentally, what do people really need and want right now? They're going to probably need one for many, many, you know, for a period of time to come. Those companies I threw up there that were that were created in the recession or were created in a bootstrap mode. If you look at them, look at all the one on one. One by one, you'll see that really fundamentally, they were all started by some by founders that were trying to fill. They were they were filling a need or something that uh, the con the world and the economy was experiencing at that time, right? And so um, you have to just 
really instead of again instead of creating the yeah. thing that that you always wanted to create or the thing that you're imagining would be amazing you actually want to you want to turn that upside down and go what is something that people will buy pay for and really respond to right and that's that's ultimately that's the way business works especially in a, in a tough economy you don't have the luxury of of going out and creating the the little the vision or the 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 fantasy uh, thing that you want to create or the thing that you have, that you're imagining would be amazing. Right. Or that you've always wanted it, it, that barely work that barely works in a good economy, rich, right. Um, much less in a, uh, in a tough economy, you've got to be very customer. You got to be customer yeah. driven yeah. user. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go where the demand is where the pent up need and demand is and work your way backwards from there. Rich, you would agree? Yeah, well, one thing that Eric said that was extremely powerful. Yeah. You with me? Um, one thing that Eric shared that was so powerful was those who went, went to the local Synapse Summit, the, um, one of the keynote speakers, Jeff Hoffman from Priceline, he talked about you need to give yourself an unfair advantage. And he didn't mean unfair in a bad or manipulative way, basically leveraging your talents or knowledge or skill sets. So think about Eric. He sees an opportunity to help. He sees an opportunity to help his family build further diverse revenue streams. And he's building a medical supply company that he knows a lot about leveraging existing relationships. So what I think Eric's spot on on is he's leveraging something here he knows well. He's got resources, he's got passion for it. Um, and he's given himself a more optimal chance for success by giving himself an unfair advantage. So I think that's pretty powerful as right. Eric's message. Good job, my Good. friend, Eric. And, and you know, I, it's interesting, you know me, it, it makes me think, um, you're, it sounds like on the Exium product, you're evolving the messaging a little bit. I don't know who, who saw the recent Carvana commercial. They said providing you a safer car experience. So it's funny, as you think about Carvana, safer wasn't really the messaging and their core differentiator, but now they're saying it's a safer car experience, which it, it, it probably is because going to a car dealership, exposing yourself. So I, I really think sometimes it's just adapting the message as well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Eric. I'm going to uh, going to hop to another question here, Rich. We'll probably just uh, go to about 8.30 here. Um, just another five, 10 oh, minutes. Oh, it's getting past my bedtime, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wanted to share, nah. you know, a couple of things. I mean, you and I did a little brainstorming prior. And for those, I'm just going to rattle off some things. For those that are in the, that have services ideas for uh, after hours or weekends or side, there's, you know, there's all the, the platforms like Fiverr and Upwork and TopTal and Freelancer and People Per Hour and FlexJobs and Simply Hire. There's a lot of, a lot of platforms out there. Um, and for that, and there's, that's kind of on the white collar kind of job world. And then there's on the kind of on the trade blue collar world, you got Thumbtack, TaskRabbit, and Local Solo. So if you want to get out and do physical things, those, those things are there to connect people with, with jobs and writers. If you're a writer, an artist, or you have a, a, a kind of on that side of things, obviously there's, you know, things like Etsy and Cafe Press and Shopify and even Amazon reselling, eBay. Um, if you've got things in your world that are used that you want to sell, there's, that's a big space, right? Um, one of my favorite platforms is one called Mercari, M-E-R-C-A-R-I. It's a little bit better than OfferUp, LetGo, obviously Craigslist. But Mercari is a pretty impressive place where you can sell branded name things 
um, uh, that are that are used or slightly used. So a lot of folks get kind of get back to what you said earlier, Rich, about that. And then I mentioned Instagram and Facebook, building your followings there. Um, if you're going to build a website, uh, there's two that come to mind that are really good. Wix and Squarespace are really easy yeah. to use, don't require any programming and make really great websites. Uh, Wix, that's Wix and, and Squarespace. Um, and then finally, um, you know, uh, Kickstarter, Indiegogo and GoFundMe are some good options yeah. if you want to do something bigger and, and create a bigger following. But I just thought I'd throw some of those those out there uh, for folks. Um, but I think the biggest you know, thing is, again, to and if the the big message tonight is to to research and and do and test and get feedback and do as much researching testing and feedback as you can to to find what is going to click and work before you kind of lean into that solution right Rich, yeah. you want to go yeah i think um I think when you talk about testing and getting feedback, I highly recommend don't get it from just your direct network and friends and family. A lot of times friends and family are just going to tell you uh, what you what they think you want to hear and just be nice. I mean, we start up an off campus meal plan back right when I was graduating USF based on the feedback, all of our friends in college and the fraternity told us, oh, sure, I'll buy an off campus meal plan. Oh, sure, I'll buy it. And then when we launched a product, you know, not a, not a lot of them did. So to, to build on that point, I think getting true feedback from people you don't know. And there's so many tools out there in which you could do that, you know. So um, were there any other questions, yeah. Alan, that um that you yeah. had or let me let me let me take a look here. Uh, so see our friend Chad Walker. Um, <laughs> um any other questions out there before we um we wrap up? I've got a couple of moderated questions that are uh that are up here. Okay. Um oh just came on. Okay, so hey Carl, I'm gonna try to turn you on. Um for some reason, Carl, let me make, I wanted, Carl's one of my favorite folks out there. So I'm going to try to get his mic um, turned on. Okay. So Carl, if you're still out there, I've turned your mic on. There's a little bit of lag sometimes on it. So um, let's, uh, let's give it a, give it a second and go ahead and try to speak and see if we can get you on. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, there you are. Hey, Carl. Okay, great. Hey, uh, nice to re uh, meet you, Rich. Um, you know, good presentation by both of you guys tonight, by the way. Thank you. Uh, early on, uh, I, I was going to comment on the chat, but for some reason I, it wasn't working. It's probably operator error. But um, <laughs> anyway, one of the things you said about uh, making the mistakes, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are just afraid to make a mistake. And I yeah. got to tell you, um, I recently, I'm a little bit older than you guys. And, um, uh, recently celebrated my second 35th birthday. And, uh, <laughs> wow. And, and I, yeah. And, um, I've been in sales and marketing for probably over, over 35 years and, um, made a lot of mistakes. In fact, I tell people I've spent close to $250,000 and I've made that many mistakes as well. And, um, and, you know, uh, unfortunately it's taken this long to me fit for me to figure it out. And I think a lot of people do a couple of things wrong that uh, I just like to throw out there because I made these mistakes. Number one, being afraid to make a mistake. Yeah. And yeah. also, um, I was recently told somebody came up to me and said, Carl, why would you try that again? Why would you try something different? You've made, so, you've tried so many things that didn't work. I said, well, I don't really feel that's the time to crawl into a corner and stop. Mm -hmm. I think it's 
time to continue on and learn from those mistakes. And I've learned from every one of my mistakes a lot more than I've learned from my successes. Yeah. And the other thing is I think they fail to ask for help. They think yeah. they need to do it on their own. They don't look for a mentor. They don't look for somebody to help. Um, uh, Alan knows, I mean, that's kind of what I do now. I just, I kind of mentor people and try to help them. Uh, you know, most don't have two nickels to rub together and I just try to help them. But I think they fail to ask questions. They fail to do the proper groundwork. Um, and, um, uh, you know, but the biggest thing, I, they're afraid to make a mistake. And if you're going to be afraid to make a mistake, you're going to get stuck, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's good, Carl. Hey, Rich, you'll, Rich, yeah. you appreciate this. So, Carl, so you, everyone knows about AutoTrader, AutoTrader. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know it was it was founded here in Tampa, Tampa Clearwater area. It was started here in the Tampa Clearwater area. Um, right, Carl, Carl was um, right there at the at ground zero when Auto Trader was started. And he no, 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 I wasn't. No, you were inner circle, Carl. You were inner circle. No, no. Basically, what it was is after uh, Stuart Arnold that founded the company. Um, after he sold that, he went into the television production business, and I went to work for him as a business developer. Uh, he wanted an idea person, which was great because he had about $150 million to play with. And so he thought, <laughs> no matter how many businesses we did, all we need is two, and we've got, you know, we have another auto trader. But that's another, that's an interesting story about um, how his success came about, which is, yeah. um, I look at him as a, as a mentor. And I won't take up your time with that. Unless Carl, so Carl, Carl, I got to interrupt because please do briefly tell the auto trader origin story because you knew the man and yeah. you were very, you, even though you may not have been there at that point, you were there soon thereafter and you know that story better than anyone. Please just give us a quick version of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to do that. Um, basically, he started that um, out of frustration. Uh, Stuart had been an editor for a sailboat magazine out in California and he came back to Florida because he went to Stetson College, or not Stetson, I'm sorry, um, it was a different school. Anyway, um, but he went to the St. Pete Times and he wanted to um, put ads for cars in there with ugly little black and white pictures. And he waited about 45 minutes and they didn't see him. So he said, screw this, I'll do it myself. So him and his son got a mimeograph machine. You guys probably don't even know what that is, but it was it's like the early days of printing. And um, uh, the ink used to smell great. But anyway, they would they would uh, tell people that for 25 cents, they could list their car on this green sheet type thing. And they stood in the middle of 66th Street and handed them out to people who were driving by and stopping at lights. And all of a sudden, people started contacting him and say, look, can I list my car for 25 cents? And then he realized maybe he needs to put together a magazine. So he put together the magazine and charged $5 to advertise your car with an ugly black and white picture in it. Um, for four weeks. And so uh, I said, well, is that so that's how you made your money? He says, no, 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 you got it all wrong. I made no money doing that. I said, well, why would you do that? He said, because I created a money machine. I created something that people wanted, they needed, and it was affordable and they couldn't get anywhere else. So I figured if I make it quicker, faster and cheaper, nobody can compete with me. He said, it was costing me about $6 for every ad I put in there at five. I said, well, why would you do that? He said, Carl, you don't understand. I had people standing in line for these magazines at 7-Elevens that cost 25 cents. And they would call me and say, when are your next magazines coming? And he said, I was, I, 
it was actually costing me a ton of money. So then I went to the car dealers and they said, can we put our cars in there? And he said, yeah, for $3,000 a month because they were spending that much a week in the newspaper. Yeah. So he went out and he got 10 of those at $3,000 a month, which is wow. where he made the money. He did not make the money off the, the others. The other wow. cars, the other cars that were put in there were the attraction to get people to buy the magazine. So mm. um, it was brilliant. And I mean, I'm giving you the thumbnail. I'm not giving you the long story. But no, but, 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 but Carl, this is what I love that story. I just want, I wanted people to hear that because something like Auto Trader, this, uh, he sold that for, um, we're guessing between 150 and 200 million. Around $200 million, right? Um, and what I love about that is that it started with a simple, I mean, I got to say, guys, right now in a, in a tough economy, you, if you lost your job, everything we've talked about tonight, you could be, now, I know we've had two versions of the, we've had the kind of stay small, create some, create small, stay small, great, right? But for a lot of us, are more ambitious. There's, there's, there's also this idea of creating the next auto trader and solving yep. a problem. And look how little amount of money that this, this, that, that, that he used, that he had to do this, and he was solving a problem. And he ultimately created this massively successful, massively wealthy enterprise right here in the Tampa Bay area. And Great story. I just love hearing those stories because I think people out there are they, they, uh, they really have both options at their disposal. They in today's world, you could go create that something like that, or you could create something that just provides for a great lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Carl, you got any closing thoughts on that? No, other than that, um, you know, and, and, and of course I started at Publix when I was 16 and I got to know Mr. Jenkins, the founder personally. And he That's was, awesome. he did more about teaching me about people and, and how to treat people and how to make money. And, um, you know, I, I've always heard, my dad used to say this. He'd say, why on earth would somebody, you know, why would you want to start a gas station when there are so many gas stations? But that's not the point. The point is, is have a better gas station. <laughs> yep. and, and what Mr. Jenkins did is he, he prided himself on the customer first, the employee second. If there was anything left, he would take it. And he said, if you ever get that formula, he would shut the company down. And, um, but he taught me a whole lot. Like I said, I, you know, I, these stories would take a long time to tell, but I had him as a mentor. My father was an amazing salesperson as a mentor. I had Stuart as a mentor. And, but I, I always had this thirst for knowledge on how in the hell did you do this? And what people don't understand is you can go to people just because they wear more expensive pants. They're happy to share what they did because they're proud of it. Yeah, and absolutely learn from that you know that's so, right but um, anyway I, I well, it's, no, it's interesting Carl that uh, you share about the culture of the customer first um, I probably a lot of people that already heard the news that I guess Publix owns maybe 200 plus shopping centers um, I think yeah. they've got a thousand yeah. plus stores but they own about 200 plus shopping centers and they are working with their tenants um, on their rents right now and giving them some relief. So think about, you know, showing leadership and taking care of their tenant customers that are in their centers, knowing that they're going to be impacted right now. So that, that's an amazing mentor to learn from. Well, yeah, I, I got another real quick story about Mr. Jenkins if you have time. Yeah, go ahead, Carl. Okay. Um, everybody, have you ever heard of farm stores? It's a little drive-throughs where people would drive yeah. through. Mm -hmm milk and eggs and the staples. 
New yeah, Tampa came, had one of those. Yeah, yeah, they came in the in the um, uh, in the state. I'm going to say in the mid '60s, and they targeted Publix, and they figured what I'll do is, is I'll be less expensive than Publix. We'll be open on Sunday. The Publix wasn't open on Sunday, and I'm going to oh, wow. take some Publix's business. And if if Mr. Jenkins was selling a gallon of milk for fifty cents back then, um, he would sell it for forty five. Well, what he didn't realize is Mr. Jenkins sold a lot more than what he did. So when he would he would sell milk for forty five, Mr. Jenkins would sell it for forty, and then he'd go to thirty five, and then Mr. Jenkins would go to thirty, and so. <laughs> All of a sudden, he heard that this man who started farm stores was was almost out of business. He was almost broke. Mr. Jenkins got on an airplane and flew up to see the guy. I think it was like South Carolina, North Carolina, someplace like that. And the story goes that he, he told the guy, he says, why did you try to compete with, with a grocery store? He said, well, I thought I could take a lot of your business by just selling a staple. He said, but I have a whole store. How are you going to compete with me? He said, well, it doesn't really matter now. He says, you know, if I don't come up with $10,000, I'm having to shut him down anyway. He said, he took out his checkbook and he wrote the guy a check for $10,000. She said, no, I won't be able to pay you back. And Mr. Jenkins said, no, I don't want you to pay me back. I want you to stay in business. I don't care if you run specials, but let's not compete wow. on family. So he gave the man $10,000 to stay in business. And that's the kind of ethics that Mr. Wow. Jenkins had. So, and and, uh, and the reputation he had. Rich, he was a solid Rich, I was going to say, Rich, we, we obviously we have to take Carl to lunch soon, right? You get that? <laughs> Are you getting that, Rich? Pretty obvious, right? So, so Carl, um, thank you for sharing that. I think it's really cool to um, people to hear that. Those are two huge stories. Oh, yeah, that's you culture right there. Zero with Publix, you know, and also pretty close to ground zero with auto trader and i think that's amazing so rich and i actually rich i'm serious we're gonna go take carl to lunch i'm not kidding around by that i'll take um, care of that so um okay and and i want to check and see if there's any other uh, a, vir a virtual there. lunch right now right <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's true um, so um let me check and see if any other comments have flowed in um carl is anything you want to say that when you jumped in is there anything else to add? i'm gonna let you help us close this out by the way carl i think i would give you the context of um you know an inspirational message for people that may have just lost their job or that think that it might be coming very soon that's where i'm gonna i want you to take that one okay well you know i've lost my job before there's not many of us that haven't lost a job and you just have a yeah. choice. You curl up in the corner or you get back on your feet and you figure out what to do. Sometimes you have to back up a bit. You might have to go get a J-O-B, you know, and be just over broke. But, but you know, you, you, you go and you do what you have to do to survive and to take care of your family. But at the same time, don't let that stop you from trying to attain a dream if you're an entrepreneur. I mean, thank God we've got people who work for other people. We can't all you know, uh, be entrepreneurs, I guess we could, but, you know, we need mailmen, we need, you know, people that work for other people. But if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, you know, don't let uh, losing your job stop you or, or uh, you know, what you might call failure. No, it's, it's a lesson learned. But you're only good as the last day you worked when you have a job. That is as good as you are. And I used to work in the television production business. And let me tell you, every one of these people you see on TV are scared to death every day because they are so replaceable. 
And so they, if they're not doing a side gig, they better get one. Yeah. Excellent. So there, I think that's the best way we can end it. If you don't, if they, if you don't have a side yeah. gig, you better get one. I think that was a great, a great closing message. Um, Carl, I'm going to turn your mic off just so we don't uh, get any interference. Thank you, Carl. I can't thank you enough, Carl. I really appreciate that tonight. It was really made no my night, frankly, for the show. Um, so, Rich, I think that was a great ending message. If, if you don't have a side gig, you better get one. And that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier. And it could be any type of way. It could be everything from Etsy to eBay to, you know, dump to whatever. Uh, Jungle, uh, what was it again? Jungle Scout? Jungle Scout. All right. Yep. I'm going to go research immediately because I've never heard. Of, I, I'm excited to actually, it's, it's you know, you, you drop the new It's one. really cool. You dropped a new one on me. I think they got a 14 day trial too. Nice. Cool. Um, okay. So thank you. Okay. So Rich, um, thank you everybody. I'll drop an email out to everybody that RSVP'd with, with um, just a little bit of summary of what we covered and also a link to the recording, by the way. Um, and um, I'm still working on the kinks on this platform. So, you know, apologize for some of the disruptions, but we're going to keep getting it improved. Um, Rich, I'm going to leave the closing word with you, sir. Uh, how would you like to, uh, what kind of message would you like to put out to uh, people out there who, who are a little, maybe a little scared, but also a little, yeah, a little, that are a little insecure? Well, I already shared some of the tougher measures to take earlier, so I'm not going to repeat those, but I think at the end of the day, this too shall pass. It, it, it will. It's a matter of the timing it's going to take. So I, I really think in this time, we have to embrace the moments we wouldn't otherwise have had. I know working from home for a lot of people's time, homeschooling is totally unique, precedented, very, very disturbing, challenging times. But there's you and I wouldn't be on this, you know, video chat right now, meeting some new people, you know, spend time with your kids, spend time, you know, whether it's learning new uh, recipes to cook or spending time. Garden, like these are times to There are business stepping up, there are leadership stepping up on everybody. Business stars are down. Like, as you earlier with Eric, I mean, he's a captain. You know, people talk about these major enterprises. So I think, um, you know, I'll leave it with what I said before. A lot of people are fearful, um, but this is a time to be greeting the right way. Look at those other opportunities that are out there. Stimulus package, by the way, we didn't talk a ton about that, but for existing small business owners, there's a lot of relief there. There's a lot of resources there. So I heavily, you know, um, and bottom line now, and this is something I haven't talked a ton about, but after my company went down, you know, Back in 07, I mean, I paid a ton in on my company. I paid a ton of time. I couldn't blame out of that because it's just a waking month on the fan. So this is also a time out in my opinion not to be too proud. You know, when we're able to transport, if people need to drive for Uber, if people need to get a side hustle and that, that's right. Like this, this is not a time to be too proud. It's about you know, spending time with your family together. my friend. That's it. That's it, man. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, everybody. And um, 
and I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign us off. Yeah. Thanks, Rich, for closing us out strong. And um, I look forward to seeing a lot of other folks right. on, uh, on Thursday. And um, we are signing off. Thank you, everybody.